Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. We have a special episode for you today. In this episode, I speak with SEG President Rick Miller in celebrating SEG's 90th birthday. Rick reflects on the milestones of the organization, the role of professional societies in 2020, how the digital transformation has impacted the field, and his future vision for applied geophysics. For longtime members and those just getting started in the science, this episode will trace how far the field has come, its impact on society, and its future opportunities. Rick Miller is a senior scientist at the Kansas Geological Survey. He is perhaps best known for leading the development of near-surface seismic methods for the past quarter century. He served as the first SEG near-surface honorary lecturer and currently serves as president of the SEG Board of Directors. For the full show notes, visit seg.org forward slash podcast. Now for our conversation. Wonderful. Well, let's get started, Rick. As as many people know, SEG is celebrating 90 years this year, and this is the 90th episode of Seismic Sound Off. Share a little bit about the milestones of, of the organization through the decades. Thanks, Lon Andrew, for having me on to, to talk about this. It's a, uh, it is in fact a very uh, monumental. It's a milestone that's very significant to SCG in terms of having been in existence for 90 years and having uh, continued to to maintain solvency and actually having a uh, having a strong fiscal position as well as a very strong reputation amongst the profession and, and the membership itself. So it's it, it's a very it's a very good feeling to know that that uh, as you look back over the the last 90 years of tidbits of history of SCG, it's, it really is quite quite amazing how we've come to where we've come. And also, what's also equally interesting about SCG is that so many of our professionals and, 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 and technologies and so forth that have been instrumental in, in, in the exploration of oil and gas and other, other applications has also made its way outside of the oil and gas community. A lot of the medical technologies and so forth are uh, based a lot on on, on, G- on some of our methodologies, and that speaks highly of of the innovativeness of, of, of our community. So, but you know, SEG was established like 1930, and it was uh, interesting enough. It was uh, 30 people in 1930 that uh, gathered at the University of Houston Club, uh, University Club of in Houston. It was on March 11th, and that group uh, basically was the first gathering of the current SCG. Now, in that process, there's been name changes and so forth, but it was the first gathering. And actually, in 1931, the year later, when the very first paper was published in a monograph series uh, that uh, the group was putting out, which and the, and the paper was uh, had to do with the universal slope charge for refraction seismic methods. So seismic, basically, an exploration for oil was was uh, the principal reason for the society to be formed. It was an attempt to try to maintain the professional integrity of the methodologies, and it was principally established um, as an exploration tool, exploration tool. Uh, the second paper was one on uh, salt domes, as a matter of fact. So. It's uh, it you know things have, I guess I guess the uh, as they say the, the the seed don't fall far from the tree so it's that's another case of that. You know in 1936 Geophysics was the, the journal was uh, published for the first time. TLE uh, is what, what was a was a was a was a uh, kind of a, a monumental event. It was unique. It was innovative at the at its time when it was first established in 1982. Uh, it's changed its format several times to adapt to what the 
what the membership wants, but it's still a, a very dynamic and very uh, impactful journal. And in 2012, we, we decided to uh, go back to our roots, if you will, and co-publish the interpretation with AAPG. SEG, of course, originally was part of the APG, and it was uh, later on split out from it. But, uh, you know, it, it's SEG is, is uh, as, as a society, it's a member-driven society, and that's kind of unique to a lot of the other geophysical societies that are out there in terms of, uh, you know, what really drives SEG? Who, who is it that actually is at the wheel? And it's not it's, it's not a professional staff. It is the members. The members drive it. And in 1995, SCG had 28 committees. And uh, as of today, we have somewhere around 20, I mean, excuse me, around 70 committees and boards, some of which uh, of these committees anyway, I have implemented during my term. And, and I think that as we get to those later on in the discussion, you'll see why I think that they're, the, the committees that I've established are critical. And many when you have a, 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 a membership that is as engaged and as active as our SCG members are, 70 committees is not that many when you think about, go down the list of what, what they are. They are very focused. They're very active. They're very uh, target-oriented. Some of these committees will spend months and months and months working on a single activity that's very significant and very impactful. And so it's important that these committees have identity in terms of the, the activities that they're operating on. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I think the growth in committees since 1995 really indicates, it's indicative of the diversity and the specialization of our profession. Uh, we do have a very diverse profession. Uh, we don't do one thing. We don't only look at x-rays uh, as a radiologist. We don't only look at uh, specific things associated with uh, certain kinds of native floral. I mean, we are a very diverse group. And, uh, and it's something that our future depends on that diversity because we have to be able to continue to evolve and grow, look for new challenges, and, and we will do that. And that's kind of why the diversification of, of, our, of all senses and all, and all aspects of our society are so essential and, and so instrumental to what we do. In 2003, you know, SCG, many people say, uh, especially outside the U.S., that SCG is an SCG, uh, SCG is a U.S. organization. Well, it's not. SCG, the majority of SCG members are outside of the U.S. Since 2003, the majority of our members have been outside of North America. And so we um, we are a very global society. We have a very global reach, and we have um, uh, opportunities to, to to impact and to help the profession promote geophysics and geophysicists around the globe. And you know, I mentioned earlier that SCG was originally AEPG. Well, in 1931 is when uh, uh, SCG basically uh, kind of started its own, almost a division within AEPG, its own little society. And since that, the, since that time, they, they, they were coincident with SCG until uh, 1937 when they broke from APG and became their own independent society. So there was about seven years in there that SCG was part of AEPG, and then we broke loose in 37. And then in until 1955, the SEG and APG held their annual meetings together uh, as, as a joint meeting. And in 55, they broke apart. SEG has had its own own annual meeting ever since that time. And so, one thing that's kind of interesting that I don't know that that, that most people realize is that. Originally, EAGE was a section of SCG. So uh, EAGE was actually was also spun off by SCG as a section, and then EAGE grew into its own grew into its own uh, society and uh, based in, in Europe. 
so basically that's kind of, you know, as I say, as far as the growth of our membership. Now, how is SDG, uh, you know, basically trying to work with that growth? How are we uh, trying to most optimally serve the geophysicists and the profession of geophysics? And, you know, uh, until probably about, you know, 2008 or so, we saw that as, you know, we could service our, our membership from, 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 a, from a North American-based office. And a matter of fact, uh, you know, the, the, the office, the, the headquarters office of the SDG has been in Tulsa since 1946. But prior to that, it was in Houston. It was in Tulsa once before. It was in Austin. It was actually in Washington, D.C. for a while. So the, the, the business office of the SCG has moved around until 46 when it landed in Tulsa. And if you look at the, uh, if, you, if you go and you look, and look up uh, the World Oil City headquarters, you'll see Tulsa. If you look up World Energy headquarters, you'll see Houston. So basically, the, 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 um, uh, whether it be Tulsa, whether it be Houston, it basically is an energy-based uh, society that we have, uh, we, have, we have been driving for since the 30s. But it also, as early as, the, uh, as, early as the, the 70s, we began to see some, a surge in areas outside of the, the, the traditional oil and gas environment, which has been the near-surface community began to emerge sometime in the 70s. And actually, uh, the mining component, I remember when I went to my first SDG in the 1980s, a big banner across the front of the, uh, of the exhibit hall said, world's largest oil and gas and mining expo. And so we basically have have catered to this diverse exploration community for quite some time, but we can never shy away from our core root, which is oil and gas. I mean, SCG's business and SCG's opportunities and SCG's growth has been in the exploration and positive activities associated with the oil and gas community, and they will always be our core stakeholders as far as, at least in the near term, because of the, the uh, of the, the the business opportunities that that represents to keep the society and and, and the membership strong. Yeah, I, I kind of I want to pull real quickly on the, on that thread about students because you know I I think you know applied geophysics as a professional career it, there's a lot of dynamic shifts going on even before long before really the pandemic came around and and I imagine that for many early career professionals and students they may just not even understand the implications of the long-term benefits of joining a professional association. So what do you see as, and you mentioned these, you know, how SEG is a member-driven organization. So what are the benefits of joining and taking an active role in SEG for a student that just may not quite see so, you know, but just may not see the path ahead of why staying a member is really important for their development? Well, basically, the professional societies have evolved over the years in terms of, of, of what they do, what they provide. Uh, the one core functionality of a professional society is the engagement, the, the, the development, the, the presentation, the promoting of the technology. And associated with that is also the, the other opportunities to um, engage your, 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 your colleagues, your, your, your collective set of professional co-workers, if you will. And so there's, there, there's networking opportunities. Opportunities, and then there's technology opportunities, and I think both those are where professional societies really, really are, have been strong for years and years. Now, one thing that that has happened recently goes into the digital component and the virtual component, which is that uh, the the, uh, 
the social media, social aspects of it, uh, information technology available at the fingertips would lead someone to believe I don't have a need for a professional society. I can get everything I need to maintain my uh, my, my understanding and awareness by simply going online and, and clicking and reading, which is very there's a that is very true, and that's a very very valuable source of technical information. But the key thing is that that is that engagement component is that opportunity to to engage with professionals that are have like ideas, like mindsets, uh, to be able to find opportunities to promote your profession. Because basically, regardless of how much interaction you may have in the virtual world, when it gets to professional in terms of the, the business community, in terms of not only pr promoting your, your your particular career goals, but also promoting your profession, it is much in, in, the, in, the, in the realm of being able to engage that community. And that community engagement is best handled through, is, is most effectively handled in the professional society realm. And so SEG provides that avenue, provides that access to, to a vast set of professionals and professional information. It also provides the, um, that very essential and critical vetting process that goes on. Because without the vetting process, our science basically will deteriorate into nothing more than charlatans uh, trying to pass off uh, and then in, in the process of, of trying to pass off as, as knowing professionals and technical expertise will end up where they were in 1930s when they first established the Society of Exploration Geophysicists, which at that time was the Society of Economic Geophysicists, which is they did that to try to protect uh, the the profession to try to detect the the methodologies that they developed and that when used effectively and used appropriately would be quite useful in, in in exploration for oil when used as a charlatan when used inappropriately to simply uh, sway someone into in, into money making schemes wouldn't take long for the technology and the profession to deteriorate into lack of any kind of of um, significance and or uh, believability so you know the professional societies serve not only as a as a source to protect the technologies, but also as a source of of networking, collaboration, of vetting of of our science, and that's valuable and critical. And it's something that, um, uh, as a new incoming member, I would a potential member as a student coming out, as I tell my students, I said that that professional engagement is what will help you throughout your career in terms of every turn you go, there's going to be something new, something different, something exciting, innovative to look at. And in that professional society, there are opportunities to move into, and, and, to, and to work with different strength areas that will promote what you're doing and also to enhance your what you're doing well beyond what you can do from virtual learning. And I think that mainly we're seeing that a lot now as, as we've been forced into that world of virtual learning. There's a lot you can do with virtual learning. There's a lot that can happen in, as this digital transformation take place. But sitting outside that is our professional uh, community, which has the capability and has the desire to maintain the purity of our science. And that's critical for your profession and for your growth. And you need to be tied into that part because you need to be part of the steering community that maintains that in professional integrity through the years to come. And that's what the SCG does and will do. So not only is it an information base, which you can get to go on the SCG library, and if you're a member, you can get into all kinds of information. You can get whatever you want as a member. But it also helps us to maintain the purity and the, and the, and the technical uh, validity of our, of our science. You know, and, and 
you know, not only is the discipline experiencing this digital transformation, as you mentioned, has for some time, but it's it's also undergoing a cultural transformation. Anna Shaughnessy will lead as president of the SEG following you, and she is already working with an SEG task force on equity and process, reviewing SEG's policies and procedures for language that might be racist and or non-inclusive. You know, as SEG looks ahead to its future, where do you hope this type of cultural transformation will lead? Diversification is something that everyone wants to, to think of it as a revolutionary thing. It happens overnight. But it, to get it to stick, to really get it as a permanent development implementation within our society, it's an evolutionary process. We have to grow this. This has to grow. We have to promote it. And that's what this task force you mentioned it is. And that task force is one that that I established uh, back in midsummer and, and put Anna in charge of the task force as a chair. And its design is three components. It's got it, it, well, the first task force is called Equity and Process Task Force. And the goal of that task force is to, to go out and look for anything that um, uh, in, in the language, anything in the guiding language that SC has that is in any way, shape, or form doesn't promote diversity and inclusion. And it actually to the point where we are actually trying to to upgrade the language to where it actually promotes and pushes for more diversity. Not only things that may be viewed as being biased or racist or bigotry, but also to say things that we try to promote the communities that are underrepresented. And that's what we want to do. We want to not only look for language that that inhibits, but also inject language that promotes. And I think that's the goal. That's the pro. We want to promote diversity and inclusion. We don't simply want to eliminate the, the potential racist by bigotry or the bias that might be out there. We want to promote. We want to build this inclusive community. Well, you, you're, you'll be uh, passing on your torch uh, as president of SEG at, at the annual meeting coming up. And as you reflect on this year, could you just share some of, of your takeaways from this year and, and what you hope, you know, SEG and, and future board members and presidents will continue into the future? Well, I, yeah, SEG basically is, is, a, is a work in progress and it has been for 90 years and it will continue to be for another 90 years because if it wasn't, it wouldn't exist. I mean, basically anything that stagnates with the, uh, even, the, even, the, even the, the, the changes and the growth of the last 90 years, anything that stagnates soon becomes archaic and is in a museum. SEG has continued to, 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 to find the challenges and meet those challenges. And I think that the relevance and the vital role of SEG has never been greater to the energy industry. I mean, it just simply has not. We have to find ways to take our technologies that we've developed so 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 significantly towards exploration, and we provide them openly for others uh, to use and 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 to use them in a, in, in a correct and effective fashion. Uh, we've allowed them to kind of float out into the world, and and in so doing, we need to be in a situation where we can actually remain the oversight of these technologies because our original formation was to protect the technologies. And we need to be to where acquisition, processing, interpretation, the business side of it, we need to be able to have a strong hold here because that's what we do. We are the the, the, the guardians of our technologies. That's what the society does. And we have to, to find ways to strengthen that. So basically, you know, SEG is is has is never been more significant, more relevant, more vital to energy energy, but also practice Practitioners that are engaging in, in engineering, environmental groundwater, fresh and contaminated, mining, you know, military applications, public safety. I mean, there is 
so many applications that people are trying to take a peek at what lays just below their feet because they need to know what's under their feet so they know what's going to happen next, whether it be drilling, whether it be construction, whether it be protecting the citizens. Under our feet is key. I mean, basically, Earth is our mothership, okay? And it's going to be that for centuries to come. I mean, they were talking about, I just saw an article, they're talking about Mars settlements and how extremely dangerous and expensive it will be. But there are those who are going to forge ahead and do it anyway. We're going to have to have this mothership for some, some time to come. And so we have to continue to understand there. We have to understand what's happening beneath our feet. We can see visually, we have the proper sensors to see what's happening from the ground surface up. That's not hard. We can do that. But we can't, we don't have the sensors built in to see what's happening from the ground surface below. And that's where we really have to, 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 to continue to, to push that direction. I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, I've seen them even recently. There are people who believe you can take two bent wires and walk down along a thing, walk down along a strip of ground and find pipes and you can find water and you can find whatever. I mean, there, there's, there's no science that backs that up, but people believe it. And our job is to make sure that we continue to promote a science that's, that is, effective, it's proven, it, it, it has peer review and oversight to make sure it stays pure. I mean, basically, as I was saying, you know, Earth's mothership, you know, moon, okay, it's, it, at best, it's going to be re refueling station, but we're not going to get away from what's underneath our feet. We're going to have to be here. We're going to have to study it. And as we maintain our core stakeholder, which is the oil and gas community, we also have to go after and to try and show significance and help promote our science to our potential stakeholders, the engineers. I mean, the engineers are a very unique community. They expect certain things out of methods and technologies they use. They use proven and true technologies. We have to be there to make sure that our technology, as it's incorporated into that community, is held in the highest esteem because it is technically solid. It's technically sound. It's well-practiced. Environmental applications, groundwater. I mean, not only exploring for freshwater, but also tracking contaminated, transport and fate problems. I mean, the more we populate, I mean, we're already at, what, seven or eight billion people on this earth. The more we populate this earth, the fewer ground that's going to be left that's been yet to have been uh, trampled on or dumped on by, by civilization. We have to be able to understand the, the, the significance of what we're doing to our, our, our essential uh, resources. You know, mining, as we look at uh, alternate, alternate energy sources, mining is critical. We've got a strong geophysical component in mining. We've got lots of mining geophysicists out there. We just need to find better ways to help promote them. They aren't nearly as organized and as nearly as focused as the oil and gas community has been. And, and they are much like what the environmental community is, which is that they rely on the oil and gas community and the resources that they, that they have available to them to help to build and to master technologies that then can be applied to these other areas. We have to continue to build that. Military, I mean, we've never been in situations where uh, we've got so many opportunities for subterranean activities that uh, threaten our safety public safety i mean how many times have we seen these the, these these figures in the news these pictures in the news showing a huge sinkhole that opened up and swallowed a car i mean those kind of things we have the technology currently in hand we have had for 20 years to find and, and protect the citizens better we simply have to get it out there we have to get it used we have to get it promoted we have to they have to understand that our profession that our society our professional community wants to protect that. They want to make sure that that is the safest and most accurately and well-used technology. We don't want somebody out there with two, two wire rods walking around, but when they cross, there's a sinkhole coming. No, we, 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 don't, we, want, we want sound, solid science to back up our technology. And we want to protect that. We want to oversee it. We want to make sure that we are the guardians of that. And I think that's kind of, as I look forward, you know, step back a little bit and look at the future of SCG and applied geophysics. Right now, 
because of the pandemic, because of the drop in oil prices, the demand. You know, when's the last time we had negative oil prices? I mean, my goodness, this, you, never. I mean, this is a whole new world to us. And so our tendency right now is to look out the side windows. We're looking at what's happened. We're not looking out the front window. We're not looking at where, we're, where we got to be. We're looking at the side windows. And what we need to do is turn that back. Let's deal with what we got. Let's try to, to figure out our path forward to make sure that we're in a central role in all of exploration, whether it's petroleum, whether it's mineral, whether it's water, whether it's hazards. Uh, we want to continue to, to build on the core of our profession. But we also want to embrace the opportunities to strengthen the connections between the acquisition, the processing, interpretation within the context of the business ventures and to target development for all applications. We want to continue to serve, you know, the professions and professionals effectively and efficiently as we progress into this new norm. We don't really have a good feel for what this new norm really is. And that new norm is a word that's been so overused that I can't help but use it myself because everyone keeps talking about, you know, we're in this new norm. Well, no, we're not. We are simply, we're seeing the new norm. It's kind of like driving into a, to, to kind of the, I, I guess a lot of coastlines will have this, the sea fog that kind of rolls in at various times in the evenings. It's like we're driving in that. We see the new norm, but we can't see through it. We can't see into it. We're just now getting, starting into that new norm, that sea fog. And this new norm is going to bring an expanding field of view for us and expanding opportunities for engagement. And I think that exploration is what we do. And we're going to continue to do exploration. We're going to do it in more than just petroleum and gas. We're going to do it and we can we'll continue to do it, and we're doing it in minerals and waters and hazards, but we're going to continue to promote that and grow that. I mean, we're going to continue to push that and try to help make sure our technology, our capabilities, and our skill sets are pr protected, the science is solid, and that people that are the, the, the user community can trust in what they're getting from the geophysicists. So I guess one thing that I can say for certain is that uh, as we begin to explore this new norm and everything that it has to offer, one thing I can... I, you know, and this, this doesn't take much in the way of a crystal ball to figure this out, which is that our world will never return to the way it was. We're never going to go back to how it was 10 years ago, even two years ago. We are, we are already past that. We're going down, we're going the other direction. There's the, and this new norm will basically be something we have to grasp. We have to develop, we have to, to engage, and we have to adapt to. And I think that that's what geophysicists do best. They adapt. Well, I, I really appreciate you reflecting on on 90 years of SEG and, and looking ahead and, and your own presidency. Lastly, you know, if you could offer one piece of advice for someone wanting to succeed in geophysics, what would it be? Basically, it's tenacity. Geophysicists are problem solvers. That's what we do. We have a problem, we have physics, and we try to solve the problem. And tenacity is something you have to, you cannot be, as you look forward, you cannot take one failure or two failures as the end of the road. You have to continue to, to work problems, work the issues. You have to look for innovation. You have to continually be open-minded. You have to continually look at what's happening in, in, in profession X or profession Y, and how can I use that to develop based on the theory and concepts and, and rules of, of science we have within the geophysical community. How can we look to build, to grow? How can we look to engage? How can we look to collaborate? So I think probably that tenacity, uh, I think innovativeness, I think uh, problem solving, these are all things that as I look forward, these are things that you have to maintain, you have to grow those skills, and you have to continually look at everything with a, with a different eye than you looked at the last project. Everything has a slightly different view, and you have to keep that open-mindedness as you go forward. 
Well, that is a great place to leave it. I appreciate your time, Rick, on on this conversation and, and for serving the SEG over the last year and for many years before that and look forward to uh, seeing what's ahead in Houston at the annual meeting uh, in this virtual format and, and what's ahead for SEG. Well, thank you very much, Andrew, for the opportunity to talk to your to the, to, the, to everyone on listening to your podcast. And and I think that GFISists are resilient. I mean, we'll find a way and we will adapt and we have adapted. And I think we've positioned ourselves in such a way as we are not only at the starting line, I think we're halfway down the track compared to where we, we, we uh, others who are not you know, uh, of of a same kind of a mindset as we are as geophysicists. So I think we're in great shape. Uh, I look forward to seeing what happens over the next three to 10 years. Uh, I think it's going to be, as I said, it will look nothing like it does now. And I can't wait to watch it to see how it transitions and actually be engaged in that process. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. Go to the website at seg.org forward slash podcast to find all the episodes and learn how you can subscribe for free directly on your phone. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bacomjan, Jennifer Crockett, Ali McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.